everyone. You're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. You can't say it any clearer than that. Pure, plain, and profound. This commandment means thou shalt not steal, that we should not take anything in any way from any body. In the original language, this directive is rendered in two words, not steal. I want to ask you a series of questions. And if you would, respond to these questions with an uplifted hand. How many of you have ever had something stolen from your place of residence? Would you lift your hand if you had something taken from your place of residence? Look around at all the hands. Keep those hands up. Next question. How many of you have ever had something taken from your car? How about your office? How did you feel? Hurt? Confused? Violated? Those are some of the things we go through when we have experienced someone taking something from us. Let me ask you to respond to the next series of questions in the same way. How many of you have ever stolen something before in your life? Would you lift your hand? Maybe a piece of gum from a convenience store. Come on now. Maybe a sport utility vehicle from a mall parking lot. I don't know. Our cameras are now panning the audience to see who you are. Our society knows how to steal, don't we? Everywhere you turn. There are surveillance cameras and sensors and security systems, and and we're oblivious when car alarms go off. Yet every time we take something that is not ours, we are saying to God, Lord, I know you've told me in your word that you're my provider and supplier, but I'm going to do my own thing. I will determine my own destiny. I will forge my own future. I will be my provider and my supplier. I'll do my own thing. I'll cut my own deal. Thank you. God knows us so very well. God realizes that we can have this spirit, this mentality to so dominate our persona that it causes us to get something for nothing. Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. God owns it all. God owns your house. God owns the land the house rests on. God owns your automobile. God owns your business. God owns it all. And when we understand that fact and own that fact, and allow God to be our provider and supplier, when we don't run ahead of God, then we will have a proper view of this eighth 
commandment. God put this in print to keep us, though, from dealing with the pain and the punishment and the problems that stealing would bring. In essence, God is saying, I want to reveal how you steal. God's saying, I want to reveal how you steal. And the backdrop of this commandment is really interesting. Remember the children of Israel, God's chosen people? For 400 years, they had been in Egyptian bondage. They didn't have any stuff. Well, now God realizes because they're standing on the edge of closing this massive real estate deal, God now realizes as they claim the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, God knows they'll now own stuff. And God wants to keep them within his parameters, within his guidelines and guardrails, so they will not have this desire to go haywire and take something from someone that is not theirs. At first glance, this directive is rather deceptive. Because one would think it's just talking about taking something physically that is not your own. But as you look at it, this commandment, I'm talking about the core of it, is deep. And the depth is deceiving. So I want to share with you today several sides of stealing. And I'm going to warn you right up front. I'll just slap a label on it before I begin. This is going to scare and to hit a lot of us right between the eyes, just like it hit me this week as I began to study this word. What's the first side of stealing? The first side of stealing is rather obvious. It's seizing stuff that you do not own. It's seizing stuff that you do not own. The first time I ever stole anything was way back in my childhood. I was about five years of age. I was playing at a friend's home, and I noticed some attractive matchbox cars that he had. And, and I vividly remember taking those matchbox cars and stuffing them in my jean pockets. And then I can recall walking out of his front door and sprinting home in my brand new PF Flyers, the Air Jordans of the 60s, kids. They're incredible shoes. When I got to my room, I took those matchbox cars, those hot items, and stuffed them underneath my chest of drawers. I thought I had gotten into the perfect crime. I thought I was going to get off scot-free. I thought no one was watching. No one knew what was going on until I heard the door of my room open. And there was my mother. And she looked at me with a look only mothers have. And she said in her Mississippi accent, Ed, did you steal some matchbox cars from our neighbor? I began to kind of whimper. I said, yes, Mom, I did. And right when I said that, the doorbell rang. Bing, bong. And I had visions of police officers standing 
at my door, and I had these illusions of, of these guys arresting me, cuffing me, and carting me off to jail. And I just thought about never seeing my parents again. And anyway, I confessed, and my mother and father made me take that long walk all the way to my neighbor's house and return those stolen goods. That really helped me. Because ever since that day, I've not really struggled with seizing stuff in a physical way that's not mine. God warns us with example after example from the pages of Scripture regarding how serious he is about stealing. This stealing stuff is significant. And let me share with you one example that's rather sobering. In the book of Joshua, chapter 7, God explained in painstakingly detail to the point man Joshua and the entire Israelite army not to mess around with the possessions of the conquered city of Jericho. God told them to take the possessions and to give them to his treasury in his house. Everybody signed off on the deal. Joshua his top commanders, the entire army. They said collectively, yes, God, we're with you, God. We wouldn't even think of stealing this stuff and keeping it for ourselves. That's what they said. Enter Achan. That's right, a man named Achan, because Achan had that achy feeling and desire to acquire. And this achy feeling so dominated him, that it caused him to do something out of the ordinary. Achan, instead of taking the possessions and giving them to God, Achan took them for himself. And because of Achan's sin, the entire Israelite army stumbled over stealing, and they lost this easy battle. Check out... Achan's words of confession in Joshua chapter 7, verses 20 and 21. You're talking about seizing stuff that you do not own. Achan said, this is what I've done. When I saw the plunder, a beautiful robe from Babylonia, the word robe in the Hebrew is rendered sport coat. Just kidding. 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels. I coveted them and took them. They're hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. Can you believe Achan? Are you ready for this guy going ahead of God? Can you get it that Achan said, God, I understand that you've told me you'll be my provider and supplier, but God... I'm going to do my own deal. I will determine my own destiny. I will forge my own future. I am the provider and supplier. And he took something. He stole something. He seized some stuff. And because of it, the Israelites killed him, his entire family. They lost this easy battle. But what Achan failed to realize what Achan really messed up on was if he would have only waited, if he would have only hesitated, if he only would have checked that desire gone haywire, 
things and blessings were right around the corner. Because as you read on in the book of Joshua, after the Israelites lost this battle, the next battle, they won and they dominated the other army and God allowed them to take all of the possessions that they conquered. Achan could have been a wealthy man. Achan's family could have been taken care of for the rest of his days, but he got ahead of God. He said, God, I'll do my own thing. He sees stuff that he did not own. Somehow we think there's degrees to stealing. Somehow we think that God grades on this cosmic curve that a one is like taking a grape from the produce section and a 10 is like a bank heist. Well, God says it doesn't matter if it's a grape heist or a bank heist, it's all thievery and stealing in his economy. Are you seizing? Are you seizing stuff that you do not own? A friend of mine works in the corporate offices of a high-end department store. And she told me a couple of months ago that the major problem that this corporation and company deals with concerning stealing is not from the outside in, but from the inside. She said employee theft is what messes us up. But those here who steal say, hey, they make so many accounting mistakes, they, we're not going to miss this item. It's breaking the Eighth Commandment. It's seizing stuff that you do not own. That's the first and most basic application and level of commandment number eight. But let's look at the second one. The second side of stealing is withholding something from someone that is rightfully theirs. It's withholding something from someone that's rightfully theirs. That's another way we can steal. And we've developed these sly ways of stealing. We know how to steal from our employers, like calling in sick. We say to ourselves, I deserve these sick days. They're mine. And I'm going to take them. When you call in sick and you're not sick, you're still stealing a full day's work for a full day's wage. We also steal from our employers when we come in late and leave early. Uh, we also steal from those we work for when we make phone calls on phones we should not use, when we pad expense accounts, when we run errands on company time, when we surf the net and play video games. Do you feel like your toes are being stepped on a little bit? Do you feel the Holy Spirit of God kind of elbowing you now and then? This stuff is tough, isn't it? We also know how to steal from our friends, our family, and our nation. Long-term borrowing. We borrow yard tools and clothes and money. And we withhold the things for so long, the things somehow get a hold 
on us. We withhold child support. We don't declare all of our income because we don't like the way our government is using our tax dollars. Stealing. Thievery. It is humorous and also sad how human beings come up with all of these excuses and lies and reasons to remove the remorse of breaking this directive from God. If you want to learn how to really do some good excuses concerning stealing, go back, all the way back to the book of Genesis. Because the first biblically recorded excuses occurred when Adam and Eve robbed God's produce section. Do you remember that? God talked to Adam. Hey, God said, Adam, what's up? What's the deal? My paraphrase. And Adam told God these words. God, it's her. It's the woman. It's Eve. God, if you hadn't have made this beautiful one, I would not be in this predicament. He was insinuating to God that she's the one that caused him to stumble. Then God confronted Eve about it. And Eve made this great excuse of, oh, it's, it's Satan. It's the serpent. <laughs> not, not, not me. I want you to watch the side screens for just a second because I want you to read some excuses that a lot of us give when we withhold something from someone that's rightfully theirs. Let's look at the first one. It was their fault. It was their fault. We possess something and we say we have the right to possess it because it's in our possession. It's their fault that they left the coat at the store. It's her fault that she gave me an extra 50 at the restaurant. It was just their bad, their fault, you know. Finders, keepers, losers, weepers. <laughs> Let's look at the next one. I love this one. I was just going to use it for a little while. I was just using it. We love that one, don't we? Teenager, when you take money from a parent's wallet, it's stealing unless you have their permission. Hey, young lady, when you borrow your older sister's shoes, they aren't really yours until you get your older sister's permission. Don't you see? These excuses go all the way back to the garden. Let's look at one more before I get too excited. That wasn't really stealing. Have you ever said that before? Oh, that, that's not really stealing. Bootlegging cable television? That's not really stealing. Lying about my kid's age to get him into Six Flags or some movie? That, that's not... Stealing? Filing frivolous insurance claims? Ludicrous lawsuits? No, no, no. Stealing? That's not real. Yes, it is. It's stealing. 
and we know how to do it. Let's look at the third level of stealing. The third level of stealing is deceiving someone in believing a falsehood for personal gain. Deceiving someone into believing a falsehood for personal gain. Now, this is sophisticated thievery. This is stealing on steroids right here. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 23. The Lord hates dishonest scales and dishonest weights, so don't cheat. 3,500 years ago, folks, they were messing around with dishonest scales and dishonest weights and cheating, and 3,500 years later, we're still doing the same thing. It's the insurance salesman who proclaims, oh, you need this policy. It's the doctor or dentist who says, oh, you need this procedure. It's the repair person who says, I would not face a Texas summer with that unit. It's the person selling the house to a prospective buyer and saying, oh, this, this foundation is as solid as a rock. Water? We, don't, we, we, don't have, we never had any problem with water. With lying and with stealing and with cheating, it hurts our hearts. It hurts other people's hearts. And more importantly than that, it damages the heart of God. Don't do it. Don't do it. Several months ago, I was sitting in Starbucks, minding my own business, cranking out yet another message. And I kind of get in this message zone when I'm studying. I don't care what's going on, music, conversation, I can just focus and I'm writing. I overheard a conversation, though, that, that, that I had to listen to. Because a young girl walked into Starbucks and began to talk to the barista. You know, the guy making all the cappuccinos and mochas and all that stuff. The guy goes, uh, how are you doing? And this young girl said, oh, man, I am doing great. I just took an exam and I cheated my butt off. That's what she said. <laughs> Thought to myself, that's, that's interesting. So I kind of looked and I could tell she's in high school, probably a junior high school. So I watched this young girl as she just picked up her frappuccino and was flying out the door. And I stood up and I said, excuse me. <laughs> and I normally don't do this, I don't know why. I just said, excuse me. Uh, do you mind if I ask you? I said, a, a personal question. She walked over and she said, well, yeah, go ahead. I said, why did you cheat on the exam? Why did you steal from your teacher? Why did you do that? Why did you deceive her? And she began to make up all of these excuses and rationales and lies, kind of like the ones we, we saw on the side screens earlier. And then after a while, she said, you know, I'm glad you asked me that question because I, I, I feel horrible. 
I feel really guilty. And I said, don't cheat. Don't steal. I said, a girl like you, you have your life ahead of you. It's not worth it. The truth is always best. Then she looked at me and she said, do you mind if I ask you a question? I said, yeah. She said, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a pastor of a church. Oh, she said, uh, you're a priest. Oh, no. Oh, 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 that's really good. I just confessed to a priest that I cheated my butt off. Oh, that's really good. That's great. I said, I said, Amber, 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 I'm not a priest. I'm a pastor. And I said, I'm not a perfect guy, but Amber, please, and I'm sure I'll never see you again, but please, Amber, don't cheat and steal. You know, God loves you. You matter to God. Don't do it. Honor him. And she said, okay, I really, I really appreciate you saying that to me. She, she left. Isn't it something? Isn't it fascinating? Just the people we rub shoulders with daily are dealing with breaking the eighth commandment. Well, let's talk about the fourth way, the fourth side. And this is the final side of, of looking at stealing. The last way I want to discuss that, that we steal is that a lot of us embezzle God's resources. That's right. Embezzling God's resources is a form of stealing. It's going to get very quiet now. But let me go ahead and read the book of Malachi, chapter 3, verse 8. Here, here's what God said. God said, will a man rob me? I mean, will a man rob God? Yet God says, you rob me. But they ask, well, how, God? How do we rob you? How, how, how? God simply said, through your tithes and offerings. Scores of us are embezzling God's resources. Let me talk to you about a tithe. Because when I said the word tithe, and you saw it up there, some are saying, what is a tithe? What's up with that? Some are saying, oh, I know what a tithe is. A tithe means it should give 10% to the local church. Let me explain to you about a tithe. The word tithe means 10. And if you go back to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 14, it tells us, quite frankly, that we're to give 10% of everything we make to God at least every 12 months. In Deuteronomy 14, 22, the Bible says, be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. Well, back in biblical times, they gave a tenth of their crops, a tenth of their livestock, which would be like you know, me giving stock today. But what the Israelites were doing, you see, they were sly. They really knew how to embezzle God's resources. They were looking, and, and they would kind of check out their livestock, and God commanded them to give the best. And instead of giving the best, they would give a mangy old sheep that had the parvovirus, and, and then they would, they would pick this old thing up and bring it to the altar and say, God, here, here, here's my best, here's my tithe. To you, God, yeah. 
And God said, you're robbing me. You're robbing me. Now, some of you, I know what you're thinking. You're saying, whoa, it. A tithe means 10%. I give 10% to the local church. So that's cool, right? Yeah, that's cool. However, as you study the whole concept of tithing, 10% was just the base. It was just the minimum. Back in the Old Testament, on top of their tithe, they gave thanksgiving offerings and offerings to construct houses of worship. One of the major themes in the Old Testament has to do with the design and the construction and the financing of houses of worship. Now about this time, some of the seasoned saints are saying, well, yes, I understand that. I understand where you're going, Ed. I see the 10% thing, but we're not under law anymore. We're under grace. You're right. We're under grace. We're not under the law anymore. But whatever gave you the idea that we're to do less under grace than under the law? Come back. If we're under grace, we should give at every opportunity. And if you study the local church and the giving in New Testament times, most sincere followers, if you want to talk percentages, gave 30 to 40% of everything they made to the local church. <gasps> About now, some of you are beginning to count lights and ceiling. You're going, whoa, get me out of here. Embezzling God's resources, oh man. But in a real way, a lot of you are. Don't do it. Do it God's way. Give, and you'll be blessed phenomenally. God owns it all. God owns it all. Our response to that statement should not be, God, okay, what is mine, what I possess, okay, is, is this amount, and I will figure out, God, what I can give to you concerning what is mine. That should not be our response. Our response should be, on the other hand, God, everything I have is yours, so what should I keep for myself to live on? That should be our response. And a couple of things have always amazed me about walking with God. First of all, I'm amazed at the fact that God uses sinners like you and me to do his will. That's always just, it just freaked me out. Because look around you for a second. We're just a colossal collection of moral foul-ups. But God hits those straight licks with crooked sticks, doesn't he? That's always freaked me out. Amazed me. But there's something else that amazes me about God. And this is so cool about God. God allows you and me to worship him with his funds. He tells us to be managers, to be stewards of it. God owns it all. And we can express our love to him by giving to him what is already his. Are you doing that? Are you embezzling resources from God? In Acts chapter 5. There was a husband and wife team. 
named Ananias and Sapphira. And they sold a piece of property and they kept some of it back and they lied to God's leadership and to God's church because they wanted the glory for the gift. God struck them down. So don't go there. Don't lie about it. Don't embezzle funds. Don't say, well, hey, I want to show you how much I'm giving. I want to show you how good I am. I want to show you. Giving is a God thing. And if we simply gave the base, the minimum requirement of 10%, we wouldn't have to worry about building phase two, building phase three, doing paving the way, hiring this staff member, buying this computer system. We wouldn't have to worry about it. Yet, people just embezzle God's funds. It's always interesting to watch people when I talk about giving because those here who are selfish and who are disobedient and who are embezzling God's funds, here's your, 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 your body language. But those here who are generous are like, all right, yeah, open. God, I'm, 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 I'm ready to give more. Because God has blessed all of us financially. Certain degrees, certain levels. And the issue is, are you going to be a river to allow the blessings to flow from God through you to the church? Or are you going to be a reservoir to erect the dam? No, this is mine. I made it. I did it. It's mine. I'm a self-made man, a self-made woman. Oh, you are? Who gave you the creativity? Who gave you the drive? Who gave you the opportunity? Who? It's a God thing. Don't embezzle God's resources you're stealing from him. Let's wrap it up now. We've talked about several sides of stealing. What are the implications of breaking this eighth commandment? There's several I want to hit. First, when we break this commandment, we're doing damage to ourselves, others, and to God. Second, when we steal, lying is just around the corner. It's impossible to steal and not to be a liar. Number three, when we steal, we end up paying. We end up paying more at stores and we end up going through all the security stuff and we end up just going through a bunch of rigmarole because people have turned their backs on God and people said, God, I'll be the provider and supplier. The fourth implication is when we steal, we thwart and hold back the development and the emerging local church. Don't do it. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28 says it just like the Eighth Commandment, pure, plain, and profound. He who has been stealing must steal no longer. It's pretty good, isn't it? He who has been stealing, she who has been stealing, should steal no longer. Two challenges. Challenge number one. When you go home this afternoon, after a Luby's lunch or California Pizza Kitchen or Grady's or McDonald's or whatever, after that, I want to challenge you to do a walkthrough of your home. Assess what is yours and what is someone else's. Have you done the long-term borrowing thing? Have you with 
held something from someone so long that now it has a hold on you. Maybe a yard tool, maybe a dress, maybe some shoes, maybe some cash. What? Because a lot of people here are dealing in patterns of deception. And this deception has so dominated your spirit that you've gotten into stealing. After you recognize what's yours and what is not yours, box it up and send it to the person you took it from. Now, don't just write a letter and say, oops, sorry, I forgot about it. Write something like this. Dear whoever you are, I'm going to a church called the Fellowship Church, and I understand now that part of my development and part of my Maturing in Christ is to obey the Eighth Commandment, is to honor God with my resources, and I want to honor God by giving this back to you. Well, maybe the item is tattered and, and, and messed up. Maybe it's kind of abused because you've held it so long. Send them a check. A money order. Maybe some others here need to go back to a teacher or back to a convenience store or back to someone and say, hey, I've taken something from you. I see stuff from you. I've cheated you out of money. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? It all starts with the walkthrough of your house. The second challenge, do a walkthrough of your heart. Ask God to reveal your motives your reasons, your rationales for doing certain things. God will bring up things in your life that you're doing, that you're involved in, that will surprise you if you just let him. This is putting shoe leather beneath the Eighth Commandment. This is the application stuff. This is the so what stuff. Because we don't just read the Eighth Commandment and say, oh, a lot of people are stealing. That's bad, God. And leave. We say, God, I have an open mind, an open heart, an open home. Show me what to do because of it. That is biblical Christianity. If we as a church put shoe leather beneath this, no longer will we ever play the steel of fortune. Thank you for listening and thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless.